Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hello, good morning, and welcome back to another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We are live, and we're going to be reflecting on another Arsenal victory. can get used to this. Um, it's been a few on the bounce now, three on the bounce to be specific. And uh, joining me this morning to look back on uh, a convincing win for the Arsenal is the brilliant Dan Potts. Dan, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, cheers, mate. Uh, nice uh, win last night, mate. So I was up celebrating. So a nice early early start, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice early start. And I have to apologise, first of all, to those of you who were expecting the stream to start earlier this morning. Unfortunately, I've got no internet at home at the moment. There's a connectivity issue um, in the studio. So I'm having to move around at the moment. I'm in different surroundings today, as you can see. Um, but we're just muddling through over the next couple of days until that gets rectified. And fingers crossed by tomorrow, uh, we'll be back to normal with all the uh, fancy uh, backgrounds and the equipment and all that stuff. Uh, but for now, we're just getting through it. Um, Dan, let's talk about uh, last night's game. Really, really impressive victory from Arsenal. There was a period in the second half at the beginning, especially where we dropped off a little bit. But first of all, I want to get your take on on the lineup. And Mikel Arteta stuck with the back three, um, which I was actually surprised to see. I thought, given we were at home against Norwich City, I thought he'd look to be a little bit more. And I'm not going to say uh, positive because I don't think we were negative yesterday. But I thought that he may revert back to that back four. He didn't. Um, he decided to stick with the back three. Was you surprised to see that as well? Yeah, very. I thought he was going to go back to old ways, but I like it. I like it because um, love it or hate it against Sheffield United, it did work. Uh, Sheffield United are a completely different kettle of fish when it comes to comparing them to Norwich. They're going to launch those balls in the box and cause us some problems and Norwich just don't play that way. So I was really surprised that we stuck with that because I didn't feel that it was needed. However, uh, you've got to respect the guy. You've got to give him credit. It did work. And I think that the lineup itself is kind of, uh, a lot of people said it was like it was written as on BT Sport as a 3-4-3. A lot of people said it was like a 3-5-2. I'm looking at the Allegri way of Juventus thinking it's like a 3-6-1, the way that I'm looking at it. It's just like that midfield is just so compact and everyone supports each other. Uh, everybody supporting Lacazette who played up front last night. So for me, there was there was a kind of different kind of way. Sometimes out of possession, we look to be reverting back to kind of the 3-4-3, but in possession, it's like a 3-6-1 for me. It's really kind of bizarre, but it's working and it worked again last night. Uh, straight from the off, I thought we had energy. So the lineup did surprise me, not the personnel, but the actual formation. I think the personnel, it was kind of uh, expected for me. I did expect Bellerin to come back in and I kind of didn't expect a complete revamp, but definitely some rotation, which we saw. But the lineup did surprise me, Harry, but I was glad he went with it. I was okay with it. Yeah. And what it does, doesn't it, is it helps uh, protect some of the flaws that this team clearly has. You, you look at yeah. players like David Lewis, for example, is clearly far more suited to a back three. Um, I think the reason Mikel Arteta persists with him is because of his ability to progress the ball out of the defensive area. Uh, we've spoken about it before on other podcasts that without him, that progression isn't really there. And the only way to accommodate him, I guess, is to play uh, with that back three. It also allows the team to have a lot of width um, from the from the fullbacks, the wingbacks, if you like. And um, 
it means that we can use that width and they can push forward without us being exposed defensively. Also provides a, a solid base in which Granite Xhaka can uh, operate on it. Danny Ceballos uh, will come on to individual performances in a minute, but I thought he looked really good yesterday. Um, so what, what that formation does is it seems to be the most effective way at the moment uh, of getting the best out of this group of players. We know that we need upgrades in certain areas. We know that if we're going to compete and we're going to establish ourselves as a regular top four side again we need to to you know improve on some of the players we've got but in terms of getting the best out of uh, the current crop I think Mikel Arteta's found a way of doing that and it'd be interesting to see whether he sticks with it going forward or if he will be tweaking it in games but right now it's working um we're probably creating as many chances as we've created in the last few months anyway um so why would you change it I guess um Let's talk about some of the individual performances. There were a few players, and I, I want to get the negatives out of the way early doors and, and, and move on from them. Um, but there were a few, a few players that really, really disappointed me yesterday. Um, one of them, actually, uh, was Hector Bellerin. Now, I thought he showed great energy um, in sort of the way he was getting up and down the pitch and the positions that he was taking up. But his final ball, once getting into those areas, just wasn't good enough for me. What did you make of his display? Yeah, first, uh, say, 15 minutes, I thought, here we go. Bellerin getting back to it. Uh, that's what I want to see. Because, listen, I want these players to improve. You know, a lot of people say that, uh, you know, on podcasts before, I've said I've been horrible about players. Uh, if When a player plays well, I will tell you a player has played well. When I actually thought the first few minutes, Bellerin looked like he was coming back into his old ways. He looked lively, had energy. I thought he's looked a little bit better in terms of his passing. But again, going forward, you just don't really see any threat from him. And I think that... He had all the time in the world in the second half to cross that ball and he still managed to like, you know, disappoint. And he's got a lack of pace, a lack of confidence. And what that does is show a lack of quality. And that's what Hector Bellerin is at the moment at Arsenal. He's just not got the quality that we're looking at. And he doesn't look comfortable enough on the ball. It's affecting his passing. Mentally, I don't think he's right. I think he's looking at Maitland-Niles and Cedric pushing him and that should give you the oomph to say, look, I need to keep keep a place in this side and up my game. And we're just not seeing that. And again, like you, Harry, I was really disappointed with Bellerin uh, as an overall performance. It's frustrating, isn't it? Because over the last sort of few months as he's been sort of working his way back to fitness, the first thing that everybody would say is he's struggling to get back to sort of the sharpness levels required due to the injury that he picked up. But it feels to me like it's his technical ability that appears to have disappeared as well at the moment. And, you know, you, you touched on it. Lack of confidence is massive in those situations. It's about making a quick decision in the final third, doing something decisive. And he's not doing that at the minute. Um, look, Cedric came on. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta has spoken publicly about the fact that he believes that he is uh, probably our best uh, fullback, wingback, whatever you want to call him. Uh, having sort of arriving in that final third space and creating stuff. And, you know, I know he his goal took a deflection yesterday, but it was, <laughs> you know, what, what impressed me about him was his ability to go both ways. Uh, and, you know, he, he put in some really good balls with his right foot, but he also was willing when it was more suitable to cut inside onto that left foot as well. And he's obviously very, very confident technically. So um, encouraging signs from him. Is he both footed? I mean, I looked at it and thought he scored with his left foot. He was coming in quite comfortably, as you say, cutting inside, but he could cross with his right foot. To me, uh, listen, it was only 20 minutes, but I thought, wow, this, this is a, this is good, good stuff. I mean, I know he's had injury problems and everybody's taken the mick out of this signing, but Arteta has 
bought him because he believes that he suits the style. And I think it was quite interesting the comments he made about him. Obviously, he was happy for him and he was he said it was a good debut, which I thought it was. But the most interesting thing was he said in the final third, he's the one who can shoot and can see danger. And I thought that was impressive for me. Um, I think when it comes to final ball straight away, Cedric had put a couple of crosses in, which Bellerin had failed to do all game and has failed to do for a while. And with Hector Bellerin, I've only seen him have one good game since he's come back from that horrible injury, and that was at Stamford Bridge. The rest of the time, Bellerin's been bang average and, and, and one of the weakest links. So it's a shame because, listen, we don't want to see that. Hector Bellerin's been at Arsenal for seven years. He's a player that would probably class himself as a true gooner and gets used to London and loves life in London. He's been with us since 17. He's still only 25 years old and there's no reason why he couldn't have a future or shouldn't have a future at Arsenal. But it's looking kind of bleak at the moment for the lad. Just staying on the subject of right-backs, do you think that had Arsenal not been playing just a few days after their last game that Ainsley met and Niles would have got another go given the way he performed at Sheffield United? I think so. And and I actually believe out of the three of them, he's probably the best in terms of a modern day right back. I really do. I think that what Arteta is trying to do, I failed to see our Niles have a bad game under Freddie and I failed to see him have a bad game under Arteta yet. And I think that as much as he might not want to play there, he it frustrates you, mate, and I was when I hear that attitude because he's failing to see. It's like stupidity. He's failing to see the opportunity that's right in front of him, and that's what frustrates me about a young player who maybe needs to just grow up a bit and say, Do "You know what? Lauren was one of the best right backs Arsenal have had, and he didn't want to play right back. And look what he did. Maybe I can replicate that." But we don't seem to see that from Mate and Niles. And I know he hasn't come out and publicly said that he's not for, uh, happy to play right back of the last few weeks. He's hinted it, maybe, though, hasn't he? He has hinted it. Maybe he needs to just grow up a bit and say, look, I'm only 22 years old. I can really make this position my own. And particularly in this new formation, I think that will suit him even more because it gives him more opportunity to go forward. So I'd like to see what Maitland-Niles can do. And I hope he stays because it seems that he's sorted his attitude out and Arteta is willing to give him another chance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a more recent example of someone who's been given an opportunity in the first team in a position that isn't his preferred position and he's taking it with both hands is Bukayo Saka and now look yeah. he's got a lovely new contract off the back of it and he's been one of the real positives and, and bright lights in Arsenal season so far so you know that should be an example from which Maitland-Niles can take encouragement from and, and and going back to that point I do believe that the way he performed at Sheffield United was good and that had the game not come around so fast and rotation wasn't an issue then I think he, he probably would have started again um, which is which is positive, isn't it? Um, moving into the midfield, I thought Danny Ceballos um, was a lot more um, confident looking yesterday. He seemed to get on the ball really, really early, make things happen, was trying to play those progressive passes into the, this, the forward spaces in the channels. Um, and we see in the result of a player whose confidence was probably right, really low and, and down by the <coughs> ground, and all of a sudden he's got a goal, an important goal, and now we see a new Danny Ceballos. Well, Arsene Wenger once said, if you tell your wife uh, that she's pretty, she starts to believe she's pretty. And I think that's what we've <laughs> seen with Danny Ceballos, you know, is you look at somebody like him and his performances and Arteta had come out and said that he's needing to do more and that he doesn't see it as a future at Arsenal. But the last game against Sheffield United, he came on and that has clearly given him a lot of confidence. He did fade away in the second half, in my opinion, but certainly in the first half, it was clear that he was head and shoulders above everybody on that pitch. He wanted the ball, whether it was deep, whether it was moving forward. And he always looked positive on the ball, looked casual, looked comfortable, didn't really panic when he was on the ball and looked to be linking in with key passes. And I said that Reese Nelson, I was worried about him and I felt sorry for him because he had Bellerin and Ceballos 
on that side. But because the first 20 minutes, Bellerin and Ceballos started, I thought quite well. Ceballos definitely well. Nelson was okay for the first 25 minutes, I thought. Um, I thought Willock was a lot better when he came on, I must admit. I don't. I just don't see it with Reese Nelson or Willock. I just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him yet, I suppose. But I don't see enough of them to think they're going to make it at Arsenal. But because Tobias had such a good game uh, in the first half, uh, I think that helps a lot of the players around him. Uh, he looks to me like if we're going to have another loan extension, that would be fine. I still wouldn't be too keen to go and spend £45 million just yet, or whatever he's going to be. But I would be happy to have another loan out of him because he's another body in there who gives 110%. And it looks to me like his confidence has been lifted. And Arteta's comments were very promising after the game, saying that you know he's pl- loving the way he's playing at the moment. Yeah, and also he did say that negotiations uh, have begun taking place between Arsenal and Real Madrid as well. So it could be a case okay. where they're, they're willing to, um, they are willing to extend the loan deal for a fee, in which case there'll be a lot less risk than going to spend 30, 40 million euros on, on the player. So I'd be up for that as well. I think if, um, if that's an option that Mikel Arteta sees as a, as a feasible one. Granite Xhaka, your mate, Dan. Um, <laughs> he uh, he scored a wonderful goal, and it, what what impressed me about that, you know, we saw all the elements come into play. We saw Kieran Tierney pushing up on the left hand side. We saw David Lewis's distribution to find him on that left flank. We saw Aubameyang in the half space getting on the ball and put pulling the ball back across. And then to see Granit Xhaka make a run into the box is not something that we see very, very often. But there's been a lot of talk about our midfield needing to contribute more, needing to get in the box and be more dangerous. Do you think that's something they would have worked on on the training ground? Because Xhaka's run, as great as it was, it's not something that you see every day. I think as much as the fans said that was our best goal, the one person who will love that goal more is Mikel Arteta. Because everything that he's done in that Arsenal team worked at that time. You had David Luiz playing in a back three, which he was a much more comfortable footballer in. Playing a long ball, which Arteta has clearly allowed him to do. That's playing to his strengths. He saw Kieran Tierney, who I believe has been the best player of the last couple of games. Again, fantastic yesterday. Slotting Aubameyang, who everybody slates for going on the left-hand side and Arteta stuck with. And then he's cut that ball back to Granite Xhaka, a player that none of the fans, including myself, uh, believe is a future player for Arsenal. And he slotted it home. That goal for me was the best goal of the night. I thought it was a real great move and I thought everybody put played their part in it and you could see there were celebrations after it. Everybody just knew that finally something's gone right for Arsenal, which has been a tough time. You know, four away games, a, a pandemic, a poor season, three managers, and you think actually something positive for once. So credit where credit's due, whether you hate Shaka, hate Luiz, don't rate Aubameyang on the left, that worked that goal and I thought it was great to see, to be fair. It's something that finally you can say has worked with Arteta. So I think that Arteta will be the one who's most proud and needs to take the credit for it because he's stuck with it and it's worked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and seeing Aubameyang from the left when you play with wing-backs is is a very different proposition because it means that he has that license. He does come inside anyway. That's where he gets most of his goals. And we mentioned it last week. The statistics prove that actually he scores more goals from the left-hand side than he does playing through the middle. Um, but having the wing-backs just means he can drift in that little bit more without being worried about the defensive side of the game. So that's key as well. And I think Mikel Arteta's probably weighed up his options since he's come in. He's been looking at different systems, different personnel, and I think he may have finally stumbled across something that can be the future for Arsenal, um, at least for now, at least the short term, to make sure that we're as competitive as we possibly can be. Um, you touched on Reese Nelson, uh, that he was he was good for sort of the first 20-odd minutes. I didn't think he was good at all, to be honest. Um, I think that the the role he played 
is a different one to the one he's probably used to. I keep talking about the wing-backs, but that makes the whoever plays on the right or the left of the forward line have a very different role. And I didn't think that Reese Nelson adapted to that. Um, when you compare his performance to Pepe's on Sunday, where he was in that position and he was drifting inside, making things happen, having shots, taking players on, he was very busy. Reese Nelson was just a passenger for me. Um, do you think, do you put it down to the lack of football that he's had recently? And do you think that there is a player in there and, and that Mikel Arteta should persist with him? I think he needs a loan move in the Premier League. I'd like to see him go over to a loan, loan move at Southampton or Brighton or Palace and try and bulk him up a bit. He looks a bit weak on the ball. Um, I just don't get it with Joe, and Willock, Joe Willock and Reese Nelson. I think that they're going to be good squad players for Arsenal, but I'm not sure they're going to make it in the first team. But again, Harry, I don't want to slate these young players because they're all so young. They're still learning. They're still developing. And Arteta sees something in Nelson because he's been sticking with him and he's been giving him that chance. And rightly so, Pepe deserves to be ahead of him at the moment. Uh, Joe Willock, I believe, has given more on the ball than Reese Nelson, so deserves to be starting at the moment ahead of him. But um, I don't want to be too harsh on the lad because it is a hard hard thing to do to come straight in uh to, to the to the game like that um everybody's going to be looking at him he knows everyone's going to be looking at him the first thing everybody said was where's pepe so straight away there's pressure on him so i'm not going to give the lad too much stick um i, I don't want to give anybody under the age of 24 stick because i think one's over 24 already issue still so for me um reese nelson still deserves time but i think a low move in the premier league would be good Someone who's definitely over 24 and didn't uh, and didn't perform yesterday and hasn't performed for a while was Alexander Lacazette. Um, looks like he's really, really lacking in confidence. There was a couple of times where Arsenal got the ball wide and put balls into that sort of near post area. And you want to see your centre forward making a move for those. And I, I know that people didn't used to necessarily like him, but that was something that Olivier Giroud was really, really good at and still is good at actually in a Chelsea shirt, just making that run to that near post. And if you don't receive the ball, if the ball isn't played there, you're at least taking defenders with you and creating space for others arriving in the box. Lacazette is just not giving enough for me. And you saw from Aubameyang's first goal, where he put the goalkeeper under pressure, um, a desire to, to, to make something happen. We saw that from Eddie as well the other day. And that's obviously something that Arteta wants from his forwards. He wants them to press people, to try and force mistakes from the opponents. But at no point in the game did I see Lacazette do that. I saw Aubameyang come from the left and put uh, Cruel under pressure and eventually scored from it. But Aubameyang, uh, sorry, Lacazette didn't do any of that. What, what's your feelings on him and, and does he have a future at Arsenal? Because I've just got this thing that if we can keep hold of Aubameyang, um, and Mikel Arteta speaking really, really positively about that, if we can... Then, and we can get rid of Lacazette and cash in on him or use him in a swap deal or something. I think that'd probably be the best thing for Arsenal at the minute. Yeah, I, I think he's off in the summer. If I'm honest, the last few games I've seen him, I haven't been impressed at all. He's looking to me like uh, he's a little bit uninterested of late, which is a strange one because I think if Aubameyang is speaking positively about staying, you'd think that Lacazette would want to as well. They're so close. They look off the field to be really, really close. So it's a strange one. I personally wouldn't mind keeping them both. Uh, I'm not a Lacazette over Aubameyang. I've always been Aubameyang over Lacazette all the time. People said last season, because he was our player of the year, Lacazette, that uh, Aubameyang, you know, he's not quite up, up to scratch in terms of his work rate. But I just believe that I've seen that change round and I've seen it flip roles now. Lacazette yesterday was extremely poor, very wasteful, not comfortable on the ball, lost out a lot. It looks to me like you bring up Olivier Giroud, 
it might be an unpopular opinion because some people didn't like him. I actually preferred Olivier Giroud to Lacazette. I think that what Lacazette does in his hold-up play, Giroud could do better. I think what Lacazette can do with his flick-ons, Giroud could do better. So for me, and and, it, and it's no coincidence that Deschamps has been picking Giroud over Lacazette for many seasons now because of that reason. Um, I'm not a Lacazette fan in terms of his goal-scoring record. He's got nine goals this season as a number nine. I think the most goals he scored for Arsenal is something like 15. So for a 50 million or 55 million pound striker, I think we'd be lucky to take 35 for him if we're going to look at swapping him or, or, or selling him at the moment because he's just not playing well enough. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's go over to Ross's uh, question. Thank you for your live question, mate. He says, uh, quick question, lads. If Oba signs a new contract, do you think he will have to play up front as a striker next season? Before I come to you, Dan, on this, I, I, I don't think that Aubameyang has a problem playing on that left-hand side role especially if he's going to have wing-backs bombing up and stuff on the outside of him. I think it, the role actually suits him. I think it gives him the opportunity to cut inside on his stronger right foot. And as I keep saying, and I know a lot of people like to dismiss statistics and don't really see them as sort of telling the whole story, but somebody who can drift in from a flank, in my opinion, will have more luck finding himself in space. And as much as I don't think that Lacazette has been great, I do think whoever plays centre-forward for Arsenal is a little bit isolated at the moment because naturally you've got the attentions of the centre-halves. Whereas coming from the flank, you're in that sort of difficult space between the full-back and the centre-half. And often the confusion in who picks you up just gives you that split second and gives you that half a yard of space that you need to be um, to be to, to get yourself in dangerous positions. Do you think that Aubameyang will be demanding that he plays through the middle if he is to stay? There's two things to this. If Lacazette stays, I think Aubameyang will continue on the left. If Lacazette goes, Aubameyang will be our striker if he stays. Uh, because we've got Saka and Martinelli that can play wide and Pepe that can play wide. So if it was a frustrating thing of, oh, we really have got nobody on that left-hand side coming through, we're going to have to just keep Aubameyang there, then I'd understand it. But when you've got... Um, the likes of Saka and Martinelli that I believe should be deserving a start. Certainly Saka. Um, I believe that Aubameyang will be our striker next season if he stays because I think that we're only going to stay keep one of them and I'd rather it be Aubameyang staying. Um, very positive comments from Arteta about Aubameyang staying, you know, afterwards saying that, you know, he's, he thinks he's happy here. He says he's happy here. Aubameyang said, you know, it's not down to me. It's They know what I want. It's up to the board now. He's put it on the board a few weeks ago. I think that he's going to stay for that extension for one year and then potentially there could be some Europe implications in that um, for the following season. But I have quite, I'm quietly confident that he might be with us next season. And I hope that he is through the middle because I know that we've said statistically through the left, he does score as many, if not more goals. Um, but I don't want to be leaving Saka or Martinelli out as being third choice for that left-hand position because I'd like to see them playing uh, first-team football. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's so much to talk about, isn't there? And, and, you know, it sounds like we've been quite a bit negative, but that's not the case. You know, Arsenal uh, pulled off a fantastic win yesterday. We we're all over the moon and there were lots and lots of positives. We've we've touched on those as well. And Aubameyang, for me, just proving what a top, top class striker he is, how clinical he is when he gets into those positions. And I, and I don't want to keep going back to Lacazette, but when you compare the two in terms of their outputs, there's no comparison. And um, I was really, really delighted to see the nature of Aubameyang's first goal. We know that when he gets into the, the right position, he's going to finish it more often than not. But to see him actively press the goalkeeper and force a mistake out of the team. And, and the team will have taken encouragement, won't they, from seeing Eddie and Ketia do it at Southampton and the benefit that came 
off the back of it. And now they'll be willing to do those kind of things. And it's just deciding the shift maybe in the culture at Arsenal, in the shift in the, the attitude and the mentality that we are going to put people under pressure and we're not just going to be reactive, we're going to be proactive and make things happen ourselves. Yeah, I think with Eddie and Ketia's goal, you saw straight away him and Aubameyang in two games have both done the same similar stuff by chasing down the goalkeeper. And that comes from attitude and that comes from mentality from Arteta. And he's saying you work hard, off the ball, pressure, high intensity. Let's get this, you know, uh, this show on the road, so to speak, when it comes to chasing balls down. So uh, that's something that's definitely been a positive. And we started to see it under Unai Emery for the first few games until, in my opinion, the players decided to down tools on him. But um, it's something that we've managed to go through with, follow through with uh, Mikel Arteta. Uh, and it's been impressive to see. And listen, at the moment, Eddie and Ketty, I hate to say it again, Lacazette, Eddie's ahead of Lacazette, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah, it's clear that that's probably in Mikel Arteta's mind as well because um, I know there's a lot of rotation going on at the moment, but I do genuinely think my gut feeling is that if he could only pick one at the minute, he's going to pick Eddie and Ketia. I think that's what he really, really uh, sees as the future for Arsenal. And let's uh, talk about an, a, another uh, Frenchman, and that is uh, Matteo Genduzzi. Now, I wanted to leave this to the end because... I didn't want it to overshadow yesterday's game. Mesut Ozil was left out again. Um, we heard that it was a sore back. Um, you know, we keep hearing that. I'm not denying that it's true. I, I don't really want to get into it again because it feels like it's something we're talking about every week. But the Genduzi situation is worrying now because he was left out of the squad once, twice. This was the third time now. Um, and Mikel Arteta didn't really want to say anything in the the pre-match he said the situation hasn't changed from last week he said it with a smile on his face with a bit of a laugh and and sort of shut the question down but in the post-match press conference uh, not the interview the press conference he was asked about it again and he said some things have to change and up until now nothing has changed does that signify to you Dan that Matteo Genduzzi's thrown his toys out the pram and Mikel Arteta's just not happy about it Oh, absolutely. He, he's proper throwing a wobbler, hasn't he? You know, he's really gone some. And the worrying thing for me is when Arteta says he wants to see change and he's not seen change, that to me means Gwenduzi's made up his mind. He's fallen out of him. And I wouldn't surprise me if he leaves in the summer. Because if he was left out for that one game and he came back and he was in the team, do you remember he did it a few months ago before the pandemic? Mm. He did the same thing and he said he needs to grow up in training and stop dicking around. He dropped him. He came back and he was actually really good. I'm not sure if it was the Bournemouth game. It was a really, it was a good game. He really played well. And I thought, perfect. That's just what I want to see. Because I like the kid's attitude. I do. I like the passion and desire. But if you are going to be messing about and taking the piss, then the manager's got to tell you off. And if he's thrown his toys out the pram and said, I'm done. I'm not interested. I'm not buying into this. Then he's got to go. And it's frustrating um, but Guendouzi isn't a Fabregas, in my opinion. guendouzi has got the potential to be a very good player, but Fabregas's don't come around every year. Do you know what I mean? That was he's a special not a, one. He's not a generational talent, is he? He's not somebody that you look at and you go, oh my God, what would we do if we lose him? I'd uh, rather lose, lose him than Saka. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, exactly. And if you look at it from another perspective, it, you know, we signed him for, what, seven, eight million pounds. Yeah, if Arsenal yeah. can go and get 20, 25 million for him and that can help in terms of... Uh, Mikel Arteta's rebuild then 
it might not be the worst decision in the world. He's clearly not getting on with this manager. He's clearly got an attitude problem uh, behind the scenes. And I, I don't for a second believe that this is solely down to what happened with Neil Mopé. Um, because I don't think Mikel Arteta would have been that fussed about his player getting involved with someone else. I think that he's there's been rumours and there's been reports that he's been disrespectful around the training ground, that he's not been paying attention, that he's been mocking some of the, the analysis that, that they've been doing. And... That's just simply not on. So if I was Mikel Arteta and there's an opportunity to get him out the door, he clearly doesn't think that, you know, he's, he's good enough. And as I tweeted last night, men, they learn from mistakes. Kids, they throw their toys out of the pram. And Matteo Genduzzi has shown, for all the maturity that he shows on the football pitch sometimes, he's shown a real lack of maturity um, in his attitude and the way he's gone about things after this. Yeah, listen, it, it's going to be time will tell, but this summer's coming quickly now and this transfer window will be opening in a few weeks, we believe, as opposed to a few months. So I think it will be very, very interesting to see what happens with Matteo Guendouzi. I think 25 million, we can probably look to nearly double that, if I'm honest, because of his age. And I think that that's a great cash cow considering we bought him for 7 million. I think we can get just under 40 million for this guy. If we can get that for a Wobi, we can certainly get it for Guendouzi. So um, they are talking about Atletico Madrid and trying to do swap deals for party and all of these rumours we're hearing. But if that was to be true, I'd take it because if he doesn't fit, doesn't, doesn't matter what I think, If I, it matters what Arteta thinks. And if Arteta does not like this attitude and does not see a future for him, he has to go. Yeah, agreed. Um, just to wrap up, Dan, uh, Chelsea dropped points. Uh, they lost at West Ham last night. Um, Leicester dropped more points. They've been really, really poor. Um, not just since the since the restart, actually. They were on a, a really bad run prior to that as well. Uh, their lead sort of in the, in the third position has diminished completely. I'm not saying Arsenal are going to finish in the top four. Um, I'm not. I'm not at that point yet. And we've got some really, really difficult games to come. Wolves on Saturday. We've got Spurs, Liverpool coming up, uh, Leicester as well. But this season could end up being a lot, I guess our finish could end up being a lot more respectable than we would have thought maybe two weeks ago. Do you think that Arsenal are on the right path now and that Arsenal can at least finish the season with, with some positives to take into their next campaign? Uh, mate, you know my opinion on this. I uh, I said we'd finish eighth this season. I still stand by it. I don't think we are going to be finishing in Europe places. I don't think we're definitely not going to finish in the top four. Um, but I'm not bothered by that, Harry. I'm really not. I'm not looking at, oh, Chelsea drop points. Oh, Sheffield United have dropped. Leicester looking poor. Doesn't bother me as far as I'm concerned. I'm bothered about what we're doing. And that does not matter to me what the results are. It does not matter where we are in the table. What it matters to me is the performances I've seen on the pitch. And at the moment, they're positive. And what I can see with Arteta is that since he's taken over, there's only one team more that scored more points than Arsenal, and that's Liverpool. So that must be a good thing. He knows these players are not good enough. You talk about another negative. I thought Mustafi was shocking yesterday. Obviously, he had to come off at halftime. There's still some problems in this side that aren't going to go away overnight. He's not a magician, and he needs to have time. I think we've got the right guy. I hope the board back him. And let's hope that we can finish positively in terms of our performances and not look at the results and think, oh my God, we're eighth. Because that's where I think we're going to finish. I don't believe that we're going to be ahead of Wolves, Spurs, Leicester, Chelsea or Man United. I just don't see it, mate. I think you're right as well about Mustafi. And I should have probably touched on that earlier on. I thought that um, for somebody who I've defended and somebody who... The, the thing with Mustafi is this. He shows signs of recovery and he'll go two or three games and you look at him and you think, actually, you know what? 
this guy could do a job for us. And then he has games like he had yesterday. Unfortunately, Norwich didn't have the quality to punish us, but there were, and I was doing my player rating, so I was sort of making notes during the game. There were three or four occasions in the first half where he just gave the ball away in really, really poor positions, really sloppily, and we were lucky we didn't get punished. These are the type of players that you look at time and time again and you just think they're never going to be good enough, are they? He's just never going to be. And this is why he needs time and he does need upgrades on these players. And he knows that. You know, Arteta knows it. He's not silly. He totally gets that we need upgrades on three or four of these players. Um, And this is why I I will kind of understand you defending some of these players because they have moments that look good. Chaka, again, last few games, to be fair, under Arteta, he hasn't really put too much wrong. But I just know that we can do better than him. And I know we can do better than Mustafi and Kalasanak and Lewis. So that's what I want to see. And I'm sure Arteta wants to do that and can see that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fingers crossed we continue uh, the rich vein of form. But it's a really, really difficult game against Wolverhampton Wanderers coming up on Saturday. They're one of the informed teams in the Premier League uh, this season. They've had an incredible campaign so far under Nuno Espirito Santo, a team that many, many people admire. We'll be bringing you a preview of that game uh, tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. And if you want to check out my player ratings, which were recorded immediately after the final whistle yesterday, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. You can sign up, become a member, and uh, you'll get access to some exclusive content. Uh, Dan, thank you once again for joining me. Um, I know you're a very busy man, so I really, really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, make sure you head over and give Dan a follow on Twitter at DanArsenal87. You can see it on your screens for those of you watching us on YouTube. Uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in live. I know it's early in the morning, but lots and lots of you watching, um, which is great to see. Uh, and uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. So until then, let's enjoy the victory. Let's enjoy our days. And we can hopefully uh, watch Spurs drop some points this evening against Sheffield United. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Cheers, Harry. Take care, guys.